Welcome to the Blue Jackets Season Preview Show. I'm Bob McGilligan, joined by Jody Shelley, Jeff Rimmer, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. We did this last year where we got together in roundtable formation, but guess what? Last year we had to do it virtually. Gentlemen, it's great to be sitting down with all of you once again and talking about hockey. How nice is it, Jody? That's great. Bob, it's good to see you guys. Jeff, John, Luke, it's been uh, a long time, and this is a nice indication of uh, some normalcy. So hockey is back. The Blue Jackets look good. It's an exciting time of year. There's already games in the books in the National Hockey League. Yeah, let's get this going. And we get to travel this year, which is a plus as well. <laughs> get to visit some other cities. And uh, I can tell you, certainly looking forward to getting out on the road and seeing some other broadcasters and hockey people. It's uh, been a long, long time, guys. Per diem? Uh, I didn't think about the per diem. <laughs> That's I'm down just... at the bottom of the list, quite frankly. Yeah, Despite right. what you guys say <laughs> and think. I'm just excited to be at the same table as you guys instead of on Zoom. So, for me, that's the big win right there. And then the fans back in the building. Yeah, absolutely. The fans back in the building is a huge thing. And we're going to be seeing that tomorrow night when the Arizona Coyotes are in town to take on the Blue Jackets. Opening night presented by Nationwide. So, you still know how to do that. boy, Bob. Know how to get it in there. All right. Let's, uh, well, first of all, let's break this down. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, yesterday, the Blue Jackets named their leadership group. It started with their captain, Boone Jenner. He's the new captain of the team. We're going to talk all about that. Uh, we'll hear from Boone. We'll hear from Brad Larson talking about uh, the selections and why they were made and, and what he's looking for from that. Uh, but just the camp, Jody. The two weeks of camp, you know, it was so much different this year. New coach, uh, a lot of new players, players that were here for a while in, in different roles, even a guy like Zach Wierenski, who has been here for a long time, in an increased role because, no question, number one defenseman this year. So what, what did you think as you sat and you watched camp and you watched these position battles and the preseason games? How do you think it went? You know what? I'm very impressed, and I was. Uh, I think we're all in the same boat when you hear Yarmo talk about a retool, and and you think of that last year when the the guys leave at the deadline, guys we've seen here for a long time, they move out. You wonder, yeah, you know, is it really a real retool? How does this work? And and then you see the pieces come in. You feel the locker room just from seeing the guys. It's a completely different feel, but it's a healthy feel. This feels really, really good, and. To see the young guys come in, to see the new guys come in, to hear the leadership group. I mean, Bjorkstrand is a young guy. These are guys that have come in as rookies with, and Boone's seen them come in the front door. Um, so it's exciting. I thought camp was good. Uh, you know, John Tortorella is known for a tough camp. Ooh, you know, the skating test and all that, the running. I, you talk to the players, this was a tougher camp. It was more rigorous. It was more of a hockey camp. But when you're a hockey player and you're doing battle drills and trying to play hockey when you're exhausted – that was the theme of the camp. So I was impressed with how uh, Larson and his coaching staff approached it. The guys are bought in, and there's still going to be a hardworking team that takes a bite out of the opposition. And you've heard it before. They're going to be better than what they think they will be. This will be a brand of hockey that we enjoy watching. So I'm very excited about where this team is at coming out of camp. Yeah, Jeff, I think that, as Jody just said, they're going to be better than they think. They is the people on the outside. I believe that the players inside this room feel really comfortable with the group that they have. And you could just tell, right, during camp. You mentioned you're excited to go back on the road. Another thing that's exciting is we can actually be around the players this year. We can have conversations. We can ask them what they're feeling or what they're seeing and all those things. And I think over the course of the last two weeks, what we've seen is a pretty close-knit group. Uh, for, without question. And uh, there's so much to be excited about watching this team, as Jody points out. Uh, 
right from day one of training camp through the scrimmages onto the preseason games and uh, even this week the final week after all the exhibition games the preseason games are over just watching the team work over the last several days here they are ready to go and as you point out uh, expectations around the league, not within Columbus and Blue Jacket fans, the fifth line, and and certainly uh, us that follow the team on a day-to-day basis. But uh, everybody on the outside is predicting that the Blue Jackets are going to finish last in the division. Guess what? This is no different than previous years. The Blue Jackets have always gone in, uh, for the most part, as an underdog. They'll be an underdog this year, and they'll be out to uh, prove, prove others wrong. And if uh, we mentioned John Tortorella, and of course, uh, now moving on, passing the torch here to Brad Larson, who, by the way, he was very, very strong vocally to get the job after uh, he departed mutually from the hockey team. But uh, this is something that the Jackets can certainly use for an inner rally. Not that they need it. Not that they need it, but they'll certainly use it. Another area that uh, certainly we've seen this team improve, and it's been the Achilles heel here for the last three or four years, the power play. We've seen a tremendous difference with the addition of Jake Voracek, a brand new Patrick Line, not the guy that was here last year. This is a guy that's showing a sense of urgency, some intensity, and we've seen him work extremely hard here throughout camp and in the preseason games. Yeah, and John Luke, really, that is it, kind of part of it. As Jeff said, Patrick Line is a different guy. He's got a lot to prove. You know, he got a, he took his qualifying offer this summer. He's making a lot of money. Okay, but if you want to expand on that, you got to play better. And he knows that, and he said it. The way he described his play last year, I can't say it on the air. But he was right. I mean, he, he wasn't the same guy. But when you get a Jake Voracek and, uh, and you get some of these young players that are coming in there, there's just a different kind of a jolt, isn't there? A different kind of energy. Well, I think there's a big jolt, Bob, from uh – Again, go back to what Jody was talking about, the rebuild versus retool. And we had the arm on the desk, and, you know, we asked him, you going to retool or rebuild? He said, it's a retool. And, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, this is the corporate way to say we're rebuilding. And I think there's a lot of excitement from these players, what happened during the draft and right before the draft with all these trades, these pieces. Listen, Zach Warinsky is not signing an eight-year deal for a rebuild and you don't bring in a Jake Voracek for a rebuild. So I think that gives a lot of energy to the players as far as their confidence heading to the season. But like uh, Jeff just said, for me, Patrick Lyon, he looks fantastic in training camp. I don't think I've seen him skate as hard as I have so far, just watching him in morning skate and practice, back checking, doing all the right things. He knows it needs to be a bounce back season for him and he's ready for it. So that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, and Jody, it really does go back to the night of the first round of the draft where John Luke was just saying, uh, how do you get guys bought in? And we had Yarmo on the inside edge last night, and we talked with him about that. When, you know, I came into the building thinking, oh, man, where is this thing going? Are they going to be able to trade Seth Jones? How are they going to get what he's worth and all that? They pull off the deal they do. They get Cole Sillinger with the draft pick that they pick up. They got another first-round pick in uh, next year's draft uh, throughout that whole thing. And then the next day they come out and they kind of shock everybody by trading Cam Atkinson to get Jake Voracek and bring him back in here. But it's those kind of things that were really, uh, wow, this is, yeah, this is going in a direction I didn't think it was going to go this quickly. And the thing about Yarmo, he knows the value of his assets, and he he knows they were high. So, you know, teams in need, if you can move Seth Jones, who they knew wasn't going to come back, that was impressive to get those first-round picks 
and to make the play on Boquist. You know, those are big moments. And and you're right. John Luke made, made a good point there where in the locker room, you want to see what are they going to add? What are they going to do? It's at the trade deadline. It's at the draft. That's where Yarmo has done most of his acquisitions. You look at the Panarin trade, things like that. When he is at the draft, he wasn't at the draft, but the draft was happening. He was here at Nationwide Arena. And, you know, those moments are key to all when you look at where we stand now, the eve of, of the season for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They've made calculated moves with their assets to build on this. And to expand on Patrick Line, he's on a one-year deal. He's buddies with Barkoff, who just signed a max deal for an average of $10 million a year. You know he pushed his chips on in on signing his qualifying offer at a good number, mind you. But now he's got to prove it. And, and you know, the coach is different. He's trained different. He's in a different mindset. And to bring in uh, a guy like Voracek, who drives the engine on the power play, I don't think they've had that. And I think every player needs a leader to say, this is what we're doing. Whether you believe it or not, you're doing it. You know, at least there's that direction. So those factors are huge for where they start the season right now and the positive. Well, coming up next, Boone Jenner was named the new Blue Jackets captain yesterday. We're going to talk about that and the entire leadership group next as the Blue Jackets season preview show continues on 97.1 The Fan. It's obviously a tremendous honor. Um, you know, very excited to wear it for, for the guys in that room. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's obviously a, a challenge and, and, you know, coming into the year, I was just trying to get myself ready to play and um, come in the best shape I can and have a good camp. Obviously, it was important after last year and, uh, you know, all the just to get back to normal and uh, come in and uh, talking to the other guys, we wanted to push the pace, set the tone for our team. So, um, yeah, it doesn't change anything for myself, the way I approach the game or approach my teammates or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously something I take a lot of pride in. And, um, yeah, I'm just excited. That was Boone Jenner. Yesterday, he was named as the Blue Jackets' new captain. Jody Shelley and I had a chance to sit down and talk with Brad Larson about his all-new leadership group that includes Zach Wierenski, Gus Nyquist, and Oliver Bjorkstrand in addition to Boone. I asked Larson how excited he is about this group. Well, I think they're excited to be leaders. And whenever you get that dynamic, it's exciting because they're willing to push. And something I've always said, uh, even as a player I saw it, and as a coach that I've coached it now going on my 12th year, is that as a coach, I can only push the level as high as the leaders will allow it. So if they're willing to push and, and, and push their threshold, then that's the, that sets the bar. And if, if they don't, as a coach, it's really hard to push through that because they're the ones that all the eyes are on every night. Um, from your teammates, from how you practice, from your gym habits to your competitive nature in the game. Um, it's exciting because these guys, you know, from Morensky to the Bjorkstrands to Boone, you know, we all know Boone. Um, Gus, who's excited to be back. He's missed a year. You know, you have the Jake Vorchecks in the mix. Like, these guys are passionate, hardworking, competitive players. So, for me, that drives it, you know. And, and as a coach now, we got to foster that, grow that, and push it to another level. But our leaders are going to allow that to happen. For me, Boone's been a leader. He was a leader in junior. He's a leader. It just he brings people together. Just from what I don't know very much about him, but what I know about him, I see that. 
Oliver Bjorkstrand is an interesting one for me, and I love it because, and you've seen it too over the last five years with this guy. He was out of the lineup. He had to figure out where he fit in and, and to do exactly what you just said, drive it on the ice, drive it off the ice. And, and how proud of you are you of him, A, to have that long-term contract, and B, to be that impact guy now for someone to follow? Well, the, the, the best thing about Oliver is he's quiet, and he does all his talking with his play. And it, it has been a process for him. I mean, he's, he's gone through the gamut of, of, you know, he was a, a very elite junior player scoring 60-plus goals, and then, and, but he had to learn. I've always said this about these, these high-end players that play junior and have so much success. It's really hard for them to learn the other side of the puck because they're so good. It's not that there's not a willingness a lot of times. They just don't have to go through it. And especially in junior, when the, w- the way the Western League's set up, a lot of them are, are set up to kind of, they build every three or four years to try and make a push for the Memorial Cup. So if you're on one of those teams, you have elite talent on it, but then there's the other end. So that you have this big discrepancy in talent. So most nights, those you put three veteran players and a guy like Oliver, they play with a puck the whole night. It's not their fault. They're just ahead of the game that way. So so then they come here, and everybody's good, and everybody's their best player, and now you're asking them to do stuff that they've never done. So some guys handle it differently. Sometimes there's frustration. Sometimes, you know, it, there's – and when when it clicks, you don't know. You, you try. You, you you do video. You talk with them. You, you <laughs> practice it and practice, and some guys get it right away. Other guys, it takes years. So with Oliver, I think it – you know, he had to push through a lot of stuff, yeah. and and he did, and Torts pushed him and pushed him, and it's one of those things, I think, you know, when you're going through it, it's no fun. When you get to the other side of it, you go, ah, that's what they were trying to do. And and I look at Oliver's game now, and I know what I'm going to get pretty much on a nightly basis, and he's got the talent to be that lethal, you know, 30, 40 goal guy if he has a great year, so with his shot. So now you add competitiveness to a talented player. Now you got a package. And, yeah. and I believe he's that guy that's, he wants to be that. It's not just lip service. You know, if you talk to Oliver, he says, I don't say a lot. I said, perfect. You don't have to say a word. <laughs> I actually, that's refreshing. Why don't you say nothing and just do it all by action? And, and that's what he is. And that's what he's grown into. And, and there was a process with it. And, Probably longer than most guys like, but man, he's he's really put himself in a good position here to be a great leader. There, there's a lot of character there, obviously, with what he had to go through. But I think about you and some of the leadership that you uh, got to be in a locker room with as a player, um, and then you know the guy like Hayduke or, or players like that. Do you see that in this kid where he's talented, quiet, but but there it is, and and you play with some of the best to play. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Um, you know, if you ever saw Milan around, he's always smiling, very quiet uh, demeanor, but super competitive, super competitive, and wanted to win as anybody, uh, as bad as anybody, I should say. But, yeah, you have all these different leaders, from the Milan Hayduks to the Chris Drury, who was quiet but ultra competitive. And then you had the Joe Sackick, who didn't say a word, but every time someone got hurt, he's getting eight goals in ten games. And then you had Patrick Waugh, who was a – little bit bristly but you know you knew he was going to show up every game and then you had Ray Bork that was there who was just a 20 plus year grizzled veteran that you know competitive and and Rob Blake and Peter Forsberg like they're all different in how they approach it but yeah like Oliver 
that's a really good comparison for me is you saw uh, even when those guys left Milan Hayduk took over a big leadership role for those guys but it wasn't with his mouth it, it's all by play and I think that's what Oliver is everything's going to be dictated by his action well, Jeff, you just heard what Brad Larson had to say about Oliver Bjorkstrand, Zach Wierenski, and Gus Nyquist being assistants to Boone Jenner, the captain of the Blue Jackets. This is obviously a no-brainer for Boone to be at the top, so let's just go right to it. Boone Jenner embodies the Blue Jackets. And he embodies what a captain is all about. Uh, he was the obvious choice. I don't think there was any other choice uh, in that room. And uh, he is going to lead, as he said, by example. And I, I certainly uh, believe he will. Uh, Jody and I were talking uh, while watching practice yesterday. In all due respect, Nick Felino worked his way into being the captain of the hockey team. But if you look back, and, and I had several discussions with Nick about this, he took everything internally. And for him, it was more important that he looked after his teammates, and it really affected his game. I do not believe for a minute it will affect Boone Jenner's game because he's going to remain that same guy. And he epitomizes a captain. And you look around the National Hockey League and you see some of the great leaders around the NHL. I think Boone will fit in like a glove. And, John, Luke, it's perfect because this is one of the best camps that Boone Jenner has had. And I'm not just talking about the points that he has put up, just the overall body of it. You can see that he's hungry and that he wants he obviously wants to be in this role He's, he doesn't have that personality where he would ever come out and say I'd really like to be the captain of this team but it's pretty obvious that he feels that he's the leader that he is embracing being the leader here I think he's embraced it and he's learned so much I mean it's kind of crazy to think he's entering his ninth season with the Blue Jackets and you think of Boone Jenner it seems like he's been here forever it's because he has been here forever. He's only 28 years old, but he has a lot of experience. Learned from Nick Foligno. He's been around the organization. He's seen the down, the up, and the back down from the organization. So he, he lived through the whole thing, and I think he's got a really good group around him. You know, a guy like Jake Voracek that's been around, that learned in Philadelphia, is got, he's going to lean heavily on these guys as well. And then obviously Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, Cam Atkinson, and uh, Gus Nyquist, another veteran, are really going to help him. So it's not just, it's Boone's teams, definitely, but he's going to have a lot of help to really groom into the captain he needs to be. It's not the first time he's been a captain. He was a captain in junior, and I know that there's a huge difference between junior hockey and the National Hockey League. But, Jody, you were also a captain in junior, and you, you know you know the role. You know what's involved besides just playing the game, and it's a lot of responsibility. Um, how much responsibility is it? I don't think for Boone it, it's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. He's been a natural leader his entire professional career and into amateur, like you said. Um, he played with Scott Lawton, who's in Philadelphia. I played with Scott when he was there. I knew they were good buddies. And Cole Castles, Andrew Castles' son. And the stories they tell about Boone, uh, the way Boone drags his teammates together, the way he includes everybody in a room, like every leader should. It's not like he's going to go to dinner and come in and invite five out of eight guys. He, inv he includes everybody, and that's the way he is. If you've interacted with him, I think it's part of his DNA. Uh, to answer your question directly, as a captain – you understand that there's moments where you can't go down a certain road or you can't do a certain thing because you're an example all the time. It'll be no problem for Boone. 
I got a question for Jody, and we talked about Jake Voracek and the fact that he's joined the team. Uh, Brad Larson pointed out yesterday he certainly considered making Jake uh, an assistant captain. My question to you, Jody, is do you need a letter to be a leader? No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you can go to any age group. Uh, you can go to peewee hockey. When, when someone in the room gets uh, the A or, or, or the C, you know, you feel like there are guys that are going to feel like, hey, why am I not a part of that group, you know, and, and it'll challenge them to be better. But, no, you definitely don't have to have a letter. There are leaders in the leadership group because, you know, the leadership group is bigger than just those four guys. But there's guys in there that – that boom over Lyon that don't have a letter. And Jake is a, is a definite leader just because his personality, his enthusiasm, and the way that he has been around. He's going to play his thousandth game this in November if everything stays on track. That's a lot of, of great knowledge and information. And, and you can tell Patty Line I follow a, a lot of the leadership group, but I think he'll lean on Jake. And, John Luke, you mentioned the, the other guys, Nyquist, Wierenski, um, and also Bjorkstrand, again, not really – they're not rah-rah guys. You're not going to hear them be rah-rah. But I was really interested that Brad Larson, when he talked about the group, how much he talked about Nyquist and the respect that he has in the room. Yeah, he's an older player and he's been around, but he didn't play all of last year. And, and I think that's why I'll, – I'll be honest, I was guilty – all year, I, I forgot about him. Like, he wasn't around, and then he comes back in camp. You go, oh, yeah, I forgot. I think we forgot not... about a lot of things yeah. last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm still trying to forget about some of the things. But, yeah, but he uh, a really good player, but obviously with respect. Yeah, a lot of respect. And, again, he was in Detroit, so you learned a lot with these organizations. That's the thing with the – if you look at the Blue Jackets, like, core of players right now. So Oliver Bjorkstrand and Zach Warnsky will be the youngest one as far as captains. You see some organization go to a 21-year-old second year in the league. He's the best player. And that that's this is not a marketing thing. This is a true leadership decision by the Blue Jackets. Listen, if you look at the stat sheet, Boone Jenner is not the guy that you're like, oh, that's my captain because he's my best player. It's just what he represents. He's, you know, hard hat work boots on and he goes he's not going to be in the room telling everybody to you know let's go let's go let's go rah rah he's more of that guy like follow me watch me on the ice what i'm doing in practice off the ice take care of my body that's the type of leader he's going to be so uh, i really love the decision do you think that nyquist learned a thing or two in detroit from lidstrom the captain and zetterberg the alternate captain Think you learned something there? I would believe so, and that's what I wanted to ask you that too, Jeff. When you look at this, as John Luke was just saying, it's not necessarily the best player, and we've seen that. We saw Crosby become a captain uh, at a young age. We saw Ovechkin go right into that captain's role, and I, I think in some cases you can make the argument that is this guy ready to be this, and and they're not, but they do it for another purpose. You've seen a lot of captains in the time that that you've done this. Um, how does Boone Jenner fit in for you? Does he remind you of any? Old-time guys. Boy, i got to think about that for a minute or two. Uh, my days in Montreal, uh, Bob Gainey, I think there's a pretty good uh, parallel between those two guys. Not the best player by any stretch of the imagination when you have uh, Robinson and, and Lafleur and uh, Lemaire on that team. So, uh, yeah, Bob Gainey, that's a pretty good comparison right there. Uh, my years in Washington, Dale Hunter, another guy that uh, certainly Boone uh, can be comparable to. Boy, on to Florida, Brian Scrudlin, Scott Mellenby, not the best players by any stretch of the imagination. Again, 
a decent comparison. Yeah. And, of course, uh, here in Columbus, uh, Adam Foote, uh, certainly while I was here, uh, Luke Richardson was before me, not the best player uh, on the team. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, you can draw parallels between pretty well everybody and Boone Jenner. You did a pretty good job for somebody that had to think about it for a minute. Well, yeah, those are all really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. Nice. I, uh, I'm in mid-season form, guys. To think about Jake Voracek, <laughs> I like the story you told me about him and Elvis, Jake Voracek. What was that story? You said that Jake went up to Elvis and told him, you, oh, congratulations on your contract. You're buying our oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right team. here. Right here. I'm, right where I'm standing right now is exactly where Jake and Elvis met for the first time after Elvis signed the big five-year ticket. And he said, you're buying dinner. I will select where we're going. And those yep. are things in the locker room, John Luke. We know this. Uh it's just part of signing that big deal. It's, you know, and, and that Jake, immediate impact, immediate impact, bringing that kind of, those things can fall to the wayside, believe it or not. But but it's important for the team to be like, yeah, you're taking us to dinner. You got all that, you know, you just got the big deal. We're happy for you. We're a part of it. And uh, those are things, old, that's an old school mentality that, you know, we had Lyle Odeline and he was, he's he never stopped doing that. He was great at it. Yeah, he was the old school, exactly, and I think that old school, you know, Jake Voracek is from the old school mentality, and then you have Boone Jenner, who's a nice mix between, you know, the new school and the old school, because let's not kid ourselves, Boone Jenner is a little bit of old school, and that's what I like about that selection, because honestly, I don't know what the new school is, but I know the new school is not taking the whole team out for dinner, because... You see the quarterbacks do it in football. They take their offensive line for dinner, buy them Rolexes, whatever it is. I think it's just a little something to say thank you, your teammates, and it's great team bonding. You know, we could sit here and do the rest of the show on old school, new school. There's oh, yeah. no doubt yeah. about it. And we would all fall on the same side <laughs> because, as Jean-Luc said, I don't know what new school is. I have no idea what new school is. I know this. I don't like it. It's, <laughs> it's probably a TikTok video with your captain jersey. Click, yeah, click. maybe. It could yeah. Be. yeah. We all like the old school, and guess what? If Jake Vorchek has that kind of an impact and it helps his team win, you'll all like the old yeah, school. Yeah, he doesn't need a letter. I think that's what the bottom line is. That's, sure. that's to answer your question, Jeff. Those are That's a, a key example of that. All right, we've talked about the new leadership group. Now it's time to talk about the positions. We'll do that as the season preview show continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Blue Jackets season preview show. Tomorrow, the Blue Jackets are on home ice to take on the Arizona Coyotes. It is the home opener. It's a 7 o'clock game. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on The Fan. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, Jeff Rimmer, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. We're ready to break it down. Let's start with the forwards, guys. Uh, a lot of these decisions were kind of clear-cut. We had some ideas who was going to be where. Obviously, you know, Line's making the team. Vorchek's going to make the team. <laughs> Bjorkstrand signed a big deal. All that stuff, but uh, without question, let's just go right to it. Cole Sillinger, Jody, you touched on this earlier in the show. He makes the team. He's 18 years of age. Uh, they will tell you, and when I say they, I mean the coaches, the scouts, the general manager, that he is ahead of that age when it comes to hockey IQ and just understanding the way to play the game. But he's on this team. He gets a great chance. You know what? And I like what they did with him because in preseason, he's got to play with everyone. He played on the top line with Line and Voracek. He's now with Jenner and Domi, who's back, which is huge. And he's also been with Nyquist and Bjorkstrand. So they kind of moved him around. 
And it looked like he did a good job with all of them. If you think about that, the first moment he had was on that top line with those two big boys, the guys that are offensive-minded, Voracek and Line. And what an opportunity for a young kid. How does he handle it? He checks the box on everything on the ice, off the ice, watching him interact with the trainers, picking up the pucks, all those details you watch from afar. Uh, pretty exciting time here for this organization, for this kid to come in, have all the intangibles, and impact and be on a line that he's on. And then, you know, I think he's got upside to play with Voracek and, and Line, who are now, he's now centered by, by te- they're now centered by Texier. So good to have options, but nice to see a kid like that come in, get it, and, and listen, He's he's 204 pounds. He's he's only going to get bigger, but he plays a real simple brand of hockey. I think he's got a little bit of Boone Jenner in him with a little more polish maybe. Uh, no no slack on Boone, but that's just a new – talk about new school. We talked about that last segment. Hmm. He's got the new school Boone Jenner, and I really like what he, what he brings here as a centerman. Yeah, and Jeff, we're seeing a lot of guys whose dads played in the National Hockey League starting to come through the NHL, but that doesn't just qualify you to be an NHL player. In this case, Cole obviously studied as he was growing up all facets of the game. And uh, his dad, Mike, certainly had an influence. His mom, Carla, gets more credit, uh, in in the words of uh, Mike Sillinger, uh, for the youngster. Uh, I'm with Jody on uh, uh, where he can fit in. I'm not convinced he's going to stay on that third line. I think that uh, all four centermen are interchangeable. I don't think at this point of the season, despite the way the Jackets will start tomorrow night, opening night, that that's the way they're going to finish. And I think that uh, guys like uh, Texier and Roslovic have got to prove their value here. And uh, certainly Texier is getting that initial opportunity I'd like to see him show more of a sense of urgency playing with those two because, quite frankly, he has the skill, but the Jackets are still expecting more from Texier. And I am as well. I I think that he can give more. Uh, Moving along to perhaps uh, another player that uh, certainly will be an important player for this hockey club, Oliver Bjorkstrand. We've seen him improve each and every year. But I really believe he's got more to give. And if you ask Oliver that, he will tell you that he can give a lot more. Now he's been given a little more responsibility. How is he going to take that responsibility as an alternate captain of this hockey team? And is it going to equate to maybe even more so his play on the ice? All those years of making a mistake and winding up on the bench or on the fourth line, over for Oliver Bjorkstrand. It's just go out and play your game. Jean-Luc, Jeff mentioned Jack Roslevic, and I'm glad he did because if there is one guy that I think has gotten lost in the conversation of this camp, it's Jack Roslevic. And I say that because we went into camp figuring he was going to be the guy between Voracek and Line. It wound up being Sillinger. Now it's Texier. Jack Roslevic, where is he? We know that he has to play a better two-way game, no doubt about it, but he showed some great offensive upside last year. What have you seen from him in camp? How do you think it shakes out for him? Well, for me, I look at the body language on the players, and Jack Roslovic, you would have thought, and we all thought for sure he was coming in camp and he was going to be in that number one center spot. He, did, he didn't get it, but he kept working hard. He kept doing his job, and it doesn't seem like he's complaining about anything, and I like that. And for Brad Larson, it might be like just like, hey, you know what, let me humble you a little bit because – it's human nature. You're on the first line last season. You're thinking you're going in that same spot, and then day one, tra- day one of training camp, they have an 18-year-old in that spot. And I like what I've seen from him. 
But to Jeff's point, they're very interchangeable. So I don't know who will end up where. Uh, and then one more thing, Oliver Bjorkstrand, we don't talk enough about him, and the reason for it is he doesn't make noise. He just scores goals, scores goals, scores goals, but in a very quiet way. He's not a guy that needs attention. And then Cole Selinger, for me, early prediction. I'm going to take one out of Jeff's book. If his development continues this way, he will be the next captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He has all the making of a As an 18-year-old, he looked like somebody that just, you know how guys go play college hockey to mature. They turn in the league at 24, 25. He's an 18-year-old kid, but he acts like he's been around the league already. And that may be due to his father, whatever, the way he was groomed and grew up. But I really, really love the way he uh, you know, uh, carries himself right now. Jody, Igor Chinikov makes the roster. Emil Bemstrom had a good preseason. Eric Robinson, a lot of people were worried he was going to wind up in Seattle. He is still here. Uh, I think those are three guys that are going to get a lot of look. You, you might see one of the three scratched uh, on a rotating basis. I don't know how it's going to work out, but amongst those three guys, who needs to step it up? Well, I don't know enough about Chenikov. I, I give him a pass because he's a young player coming in, and he's just trying to figure his, his way around the small ice. Uh, the goal, You know, he's had success in the KHL, rookie of the year, a lot of good stuff with him. Just to have him here right now I think is a good thing. I don't need to challenge him to step up. I just want him to figure out where he fits in. Bemstrom is a guy for me now that's been around long enough that he has got to make an impact. I like Robinson. I like where Robinson fits in with Sean Corrali. I think Corrali will be a guy that will help Robinson define his role as a speedster. I think the last couple of years he's been in between where he fits in. You know what I mean? He's fast. He can put the puck in the net sometimes. But right now, that's a defined role on a defensive line that I think he'll be just fine. I love him where he's at. Um, you got, To go back to Texier on that top line, that's a tough position to play. And I wonder if Texier has enough just self-confidence to play that position because when line A's on your right or line A's on your left and Voracek's on your right, you know they want the puck. You don't want the puck very long. You just want to get it to them and make them happy. So it's a demanding spot. So we'll see. But I think both Sillinger and Texier have that pedigree. Rosovic didn't even get a look on that line all during camp. Not a preseason minute, nothing. So to John Luke's point, that's humbling. Let's see how he reacts a little bit. But for Chinnikov, for me, like I said, give him a pass. Bemstrom is the guy that has to be challenged to do more. And Brad Larson told us yesterday on the inside edge for Chinikov, if he's not getting the playing time here, they will get him to yeah. Cleveland. They will get him the minutes that he needs so that he can develop. All right, those are the forwards. Jean-Luc, get ready. We're coming back to do defense. You're the defenseman on the squad, and we'll talk about this blue line of the Blue Jackets right after this. It's a season preview show here on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to close out the season preview show. The Blue Jackets will be on the ice for real tomorrow night against the Arizona Coyotes at Nationwide Arena. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 here on The Fan. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley, Jeff Rimmer, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, and Jean-Luc steps into the spotlight because we're going to talk about the defenseman. Although, as we talked about during the break, you were the NHL defenseman. You're also a part-time goalie, and you've played some forwards. So, I guess. I got it all covered, Bob. Yeah, maybe everything. Yeah, I, maybe I shouldn't just focus on one area for you, quite <laughs> frankly. Covers all the bases. Yes, he it? does. All right, this defense, four of them, very easy. Wierenski, Bean, Boquist, and Gavrikov. 
after that, there are two spots. There are three guys that are still here. Scott Harrington, Dean Kukin, Andrew Peak. How do you see this thing shaking out from what you observed during training camp? Uh, first of all, the, the battle for that 5-6 spot was the most interesting one for me, and I think uh, Andrew Peak ran away with it uh, just by being physical, and that's a component that the Blue Jackets do not have on the back end. You know, Gavrikov can throw a body here and there, you don't need Zach Wierenski to go out and throw big hits. And for me, Boquist and Bean are more of that offensive type, you know, transition type player, kind of like Dean Kukin. But there was a battle that, you know, Gabriel Carlson, Lethnan, and uh, Andrew Peak were in. And I think Andrew Peak won that battle, like, by pure knockout because he showed up every game and you saw him on the score sheet. He was hard to play against in the, in the, in the blue paint. And he was physical on top of it. So, for me, he opened a lot of eyes. And if he can simplify his game and just play physical, smart hockey, you will be there all season long. There's no doubt about it because this is something the Blue Jackets need. Uh, as far as the top four, I love what I've seen from Jake Bean. I think uh, him and Zach Wierenski together. Now, you have two lefty. It might be a little challenging because he's a real good passer. So for him, it's going to be adjusting to that right side. And then Boquist, Gavrikov, I think Gavrikov is going to really give a little bit more leeway to Boquist to skate with the puck, do what he needs to do. And, you know, Gavrikov is going to stay back and uh, solidify the defense, especially in their own zone. Because I think uh, for Adam Boquist, I think defensively, he's not that's strong, so he has a good stick, but I think that having Gavrikov on his side is definitely going to help him. Jody, when we're talking about Andrew Peake, and he did play physical, he was noticeable in those games. So that It's obvious there was a discussion, and he was told, if you want to make this club, here's the best way for you to make it. We need you to play like this, and he went out, and he played just like that. Now, that being said, sometimes it's not that easy. It's, it's not easy to, to play like that. And some guys just, quite frankly, can't do it. Gabriel Carlson, here's a big guy, first-round pick, that just got sent back down to Cleveland. You know, maybe if he had a little bit more edge in his game, now he's challenging an Andrew Peak or a Dean Kukin, who knows, but just not in him. But for Andrew Peak or any player, how tough is it to, to play that way, especially if that's not necessarily the way that you've always played? Well, and the advantage for Peak too, is a right-handed shot. But, but it's not – you're right, but as an athlete – I'm trying to make a team. I don't care where you're going. Go to any business. If you understand what the business needs, well, then you better specify and, and, and specialize in that department if you want to be a part of the team, and that's what Peak has done. Yeah, you can tell him all day, you know, go get more physical. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's a guy that's got the size, can understand how to play. He looked up to Jovanovski down in Florida where he grew up. You know, he, he – that's the type of, type of game he should play is the Jovanovski style. Maybe not to the degree that Jovo played it back in the day when he was a first overall pick where he was throwing cross checks across people's teeth, but you got to <laughs> you got to do it once maybe. You know, you got to have that impression that hey, I don't want to stand around this guy. And so he's done enough to be there. I think it's an asset back there. The size will be a problem for the Blue Jackets on the back end, but having a guy like Peak who's young, I like the way he skates. Steve McCarthy, the new defensive coach, has had him in the minors. He's had Zach Wierenski in the minors. He understands these players and there's a sense of 
correcting little details with him that'll help so when you can get coats at the national hockey league level and you're one of six like he is you're going to go your upside is huge so he's receptive he's eager and obviously he's smart to understand to change a little bit because that's what's required here remember he was captain at notre dame this guy was the yeah. captain at notre dame so he's got some of that leadership and and understanding how to play the game here at the nhl level and you're absolutely right bob he was told hey we need that grit added to your game, and he certainly worked that throughout the preseason and even in uh, the battles uh, along the walls against his teammates along the way. But staying with the defense, the guy that I look to take that next step, and he certainly has the ability to do that, is Gavrikov. Gavrikov comes out of the shadow here right now. Warinsky behind the shadow, obviously, of uh, Seth Jones, and he's ready to assume that number one defensive role. Gavrikov now has to step up. His former uh, defensive partner, Savard, for the most part, gone now. He needs to step up into that role. Why are you smiling, Jody? For the most part, I laugh at that. He well, was. They were. They were. Yeah. No. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But I was. <laughs> well, hey. I thought you were going to go somewhere else. But for the most part, yeah. They were a pair. They were. Yeah. They were very good together. I thought Gavrikov made Savard better, and Savard helped Gavrikov settle in here as a defenseman. And I like that role. Here's the age-old question, John Luke: Is Scott Harrington going to get more playing time this year? Because he has been here for years. This guy will go 10, 12 games without playing, and then get in there. I've always said this. I know what I'm going to see when Scott Harrington plays. Yeah. I mean, there's going to oh, be yeah. some good. There's going to be some bad. Although I will say this. I talked to Brad Larson about this a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that one advantage that Harrington does have in his eyes is he's a good penalty killer. Exactly. Penalty kill. We know the, uh, you know, the new NHL, there's a lot of power play, and the penalty kill is a big thing. And the Blue Jack has always been good in the penalty kill. Scott Harrington knows how to play defense. And let's not kid ourselves. Injuries are going to happen. You only have seven defensemen. But for me, we're going to see a lot of mistake from this defensive squad. And that's my one concern with this team this year. It's a very young blue line, so we'll see a lot of mistakes. And here and there, Scott Harrington is going to be playing, whether it's on as number four, at number five, number six. He will be in the lineup much more than we've seen him in the past. And uh, again, for me, Andrew Peake, is he smart? Guys, he went to Notre Dame, Ivy League school, so it was pretty easy to figure out what he needed to do to stick around, and he did it. I know a lot of smart people who know what they should do and they don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Want to mention but, any names? Yeah, uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm at the top of the list on that, but I know what you mean. Uh, guys, this was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what else will be a lot of fun. Seeing somebody other than the Blackhawks, the Predators, yeah. the Hurricanes. And the fans. I mean, yeah. that is yeah. that is immense. We saw it the last preseason game here with Pittsburgh. There was energy in the building. And if you see any highlights from last year, even in the playoffs going in, it was just there was no emotion in the not building. Not even – can't even compare. No. So no. kudos to the players in the league for getting it done the last year and a half. Uh, the broadcasters, you know, you guys did a great job. Sick of that uh, fake noise. It's gone, hopefully for good. And, boy, to see the fans smiling, cheering, smelling the popcorn in the building. Wasn't it great the other night? Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. The crowd coming in, and one player we didn't talk about, and I think he's going to be vastly impacted by the crowd, is Max Dorn. Oh, 100%. I think he's a guy that plays so much on emotion, and the little button that makes the crowd noise did nothing for him. So look for him to yeah. have a big step this year. There is one more point. On Domi having a big year. It's a contract year. So look for him to step up. All right. And there we go.
Got it all. We're going to get it underway tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. The Arizona Arizona Coyotes are here. Saturday, the Seattle Kraken comes to Columbus for the first time ever. That's what's on tap for this opening weekend. Both of those games getting underway at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can get plenty of information, including ticket information, by using the Blue Jackets app or going to bluejackets.com. That's going to do it for our season preview show. Thanks to Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Jeff Rimmer and Jody Shelley. I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks to you for listening to us right here on 97.1 The Fan.